Good day, everyone. It's a beautiful day in the Psyche community. Welcome to Psyche Podcast, where we are dedicated to improving mental health together. You are here with your podcast hosts, Dr. Zamika Simmons-Yan and Alyssa Peckham, where we will spill the tea on hot topics in psychiatry. That's right. Here on Psyche Community Podcast, you will get a quick lowdown on what's steaming in the world of mental health. We ask you to listen to the episodes, rate us, and review us. Better yet, share the Psyche Podcast with your friends, where we all can sip on the Psyche tea and maybe have a side of lemon with it. Well, I hope you're excited, because today we have a lot of tea to spill. But first, quick question. Are you really surviving the summer heat wave? (laughs) Honestly, I don't know how we are doing it because this sun has been blazing. You know, growing up, I love, love, love the sun and all things hot. The sun just, it gives me life. But right now, this sweet iced tea is giving me life because it is cold and so refreshing. Do trust. I have a little extra ice in my tea today for an added shield. There's no better time to have a tall glass of iced tea than when the heat index is set to hottest Hades. Anyway, on today's episode, a special guest will spill some very chilling and refreshing tea where we will be discussing minority mental health awareness. Although National Awareness Month is recognized in July, It's important that discussions around minority mental health be ongoing and with purpose. So we have Dr. Carolyn Jones here today to continue this conversation. Now I'm a little biased, but Dr. Carolyn Jones is one of my favorite people and a very good friend because Dr. Jones most recently retired from OSCA as a senior medical science liaison after 22 years of providing medical education and resources to healthcare professionals. Currently, she stays very active and busy as a board member for NAMI, Florida, in the state she resides. This phenomenal woman has all the beauty and brains you could imagine. She is very civic-minded with a passion and specialty in psychiatry. So welcome, Dr. Jones, and thank you for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. And one, what an incredible introduction you gave today. Oh. I am so enjoying my retirement. <laughs> and I call it working without pay, okay? Working without pay. I love it. I am still just as busy now as I was when I was working um, with pay or for pay, but it's my passion. I don't know how to sit down. So I'd like to tell your audience a little bit more about NAMI and what I'm doing with NAMI. Um, For those of you who are not familiar, NAMI stands for National Alliance on Mental Illness. And our mission is basically to improve the quality of life of individuals and their families that are affected by mental illness. And this is through education, support, and advocacy. And here in the state of Florida, we have uh, 24 affiliates and we are involved in supporting, um, we have support groups, we provide education to the community. And that includes not only individuals and families, but even employers and we go into the schools. We advocate for mental health services to local and state officials. 
We help members identify and access resources, things like treatment, benefits, medication, and housing. And I just like to make the statement that housing is healthcare. And I'm going to come back to that concept later. So as you mentioned, I sit on the board of NAMI, but I am also the chairperson of our annual conference. And I'd like to invite your listeners to join us. That's going to be September 15th through the 17th in Orlando, Florida. And we have a wonderful, wonderful agenda planned. So over the last couple of years uh, at NAMI, we, we've been involved in a few initiatives. Most recently, everybody in, in the mental health space is involved in launching 988. That occurred, I think, about a week or so ago. And again, for your listeners who aren't familiar, 988 is a three-digit phone number for mental health needs. So they address substance abuse, suicide, uh, mental health crisis. And when you call this number, you're going to be matched with a uh, mental health professional or a person who is trained, a trained counselor. So we're very, very excited about getting the word out about that. Um, NAMI also partnered or joined the first responders first, and we have what's called NAMI Frontline. And this is where we are supporting our healthcare and public safety professionals, understanding that through their jobs, that they may be experiencing adverse mental health issues such as COVID and other trauma-related um, uh, things that they experience. And we wanna make sure that they have the proper support, counseling and needs in the community. And one of our newest projects that NAMI is involved in nationally is called the CONFESS Project. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. But basically, it's training barbers to be mental health advocates. How neat is that? That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. You are truly working with Alpay, aren't you? And I'm so thankful for all the advocacy work that you are participating in and for everything that NAMI does because they are a supporting organization of PsyQ. So thank you for all, all that you're doing. This is amazing. And I do want to hear more about Confess. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Thank you so much for that excellent overview. And it sounds like NAMI is an excellent resource to tap into, especially now, you know, being July, since July is slated nationwide as the Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And we want the discussions about that to be ongoing. And so I think just to level set in the beginning, can you educate our listeners on what it means when the community refers to, you know, quote unquote, minority mental health? And, you know, who exactly are we referring to? And, you know, are the concerns and mental health challenges different? different with this population as compared to the majority population? Yeah, I think that's a, a very interesting question because over the years, the definition of who is a minority has changed here in, in the United States. Initially, when we talked about minorities, we were referring to Black or African Americans in this country. But over the years, the definition has broadened to actually include other marginalized groups. So now we're talking about the LGBTQ community, persons who potentially may speak a language other than English or have a culture that's not shaped from a Eurocentric tradition, or persons of Latin Hispanic populations, for instance, uh, Asian ethnicities, or just persons from the what we call the African diaspora, just of African descent. So, so the umbrella has broadened. And the challenge is, and we want to acknowledge that mental health conditions, they can affect anyone. 
independent of what their background, their culture, identity, race, ethnicity, language, it doesn't matter. It can impact anyone. But what we do recognize is that the experience of racial trauma, microaggressions, and present-day discrimination can impact an individual's mental health and potentially worsen their symptoms. Yeah, I think that that's something that we really do overlook in the community, you know, how our actions towards the the choices, the lifestyles, who others are as individuals, how impactful that can really be for their mental health and just how deeply that really infiltrates their life. And, you know, it gets me thinking about, you know, lack of access to mental health care resources and how that can be even further uh, stigmatized or marginalized for this population. So I think it's really important that we keep talking about it. So thank you uh, for that. Yes. And and I would have to agree with Alyssa as well. And I like the points that you made about the trauma, especially when we're thinking about minorities and, and the things that they have to live on and endure on a daily basis. But, you know, just to follow up to that reference of minority mental health, can you elucidate the importance of minority mental health awareness? And how are we doing as a community? Do you think the mental health services and outcomes of minorities, do you think they've improved over time? And, or are there still barriers and challenges that the healthcare community and even the advocacy groups should address? Sure, so um, yes, there's some improvement and uh, certainly we have a long way to go. Uh, one thing I do wanna acknowledge as we talk about Minority Mental Health Awareness Month at uh, NAMI, we, we refer to it as the B.B. Moore Campbell National Minority Mental Health Awareness Month. And Ms. Campbell was a famous African-American author from my hometown of Philadelphia. And like many of us, she has a family member who lives with a mental health condition. Uh, Ms. Campbell is now deceased, but her family member is still with us. And I just wanted to acknowledge her and all of her um, mental health awareness and work that she has done. She had done for NAMI over the years. So the question, are we improving? I would say in terms of awareness, yes. Are we there? No. So we have a lot of influencers, a special um, in this day and age with social media, where they're beginning to discuss mental health issues. What was very interesting recently is that the actress uh, Taraji P. Henson at the BET Awards mentioned her foundation in honor of her father, Boris Henson, who suffered from um, a mental health challenge. And she has, over the last two or three years, been very prominent in terms of putting uh, mental health on the radar screen for African-American populations. Um, also, the Confess Project that I referred to earlier, it is an organization that they are concerned about building a culture of mental health for black boys, men, and their families. And what they're doing is training barbers and stylists to be mental health advocates. Now, that I think is so interesting because, you know, the barbershop is a male bonding place and it's a place where men go and relax and they spend a lot of time. They, they talk about politics, but they also talk about life and their relationships. And here you have an opportunity to educate and encourage uh, these men and boys to seek mental health counseling, um, to inform them about what's available in their community. So I definitely uh, view that with both of those as a positive step forward. Um, another 
avenue, uh, let's talk about access to care. So I would say, no, um, we're not seeing the kind of improvements that we need to see. And that's for the general population as a whole, and it's always gonna be worse in minority populations. We have to, again, understanding that housing, understand that housing is healthcare. You cannot function as an individual without your basic needs being met of food, clothing, and shelter. And we are in the midst of a housing crisis in this country, especially when we talk about affordable housing and supportive housing for persons with mental health and substance abuse challenges. Also, we are not meeting uh, expectations as it relates to professionals. We do not have enough mental health professionals, especially in minority communities and rural areas. And many of the people we currently have are not culturally sensitive and don't understand the needs of the various uh, marginalized populations. I think that there are attempts being made, but you can't really teach compassion. And I think the more people are exposed to different cultures and different groups, the better they will be as a professional, just outside of, okay, I see uh, a black person in my office. If you're not socializing with them, going to church with them, interacting with them, you're really not uh, fully understanding the needs of that individual. And the last point I wanna make under this topic that is so important uh, as a culture and as Americans is we have to understand the impact of trauma. We are very dismissive when we talk about trauma in minority populations, especially African-American populations, when we talk about um, the impact of slavery, for instance, people will say, well, it's, it's over 100 years. Why aren't you getting over it? It wasn't me. That was my ancestors. And, and to speak to this, when we talk about rape victims or first responders, we don't say to them, it's been five years since you were raped or five years since you were in the Gulf and, and you're still experiencing um, post-traumatic stress. But yet we constantly hear that as African-Americans. And so I came across a very interesting article that was published a couple of years ago in the New York Times. It was published December 10th, 2018. The author was Benedict Carey. And the title of this um, article was, Can We Really Inherit Trauma? and how trauma can be passed down through generations that they were um, hypothesizing, and that it's not a, a genetic mutation, but it's more epigenetics, that as a result of trauma, that there might be some chemical changes that are taking place in our body that then can impact the, the, the possible downstream uh, effects of the individual uh, translation or gene performance or things like that. And, and so we have to look at slavery and the impact of slavery, the impact of Jim Crow on African-American populations and not be dismissive that we could possibly be experiencing um, inherited trauma through the generations and that we have to treat it as a long-term uh, issue and not get over it, it happened. Tell you what, you are truly discussing some very, very critical issues. I like how you really gave a critical view of where we are in the services that we're providing and whether or not the outcomes of, of our marginalized people, of us, 
has improved over time, especially when we're thinking about how homelessness is health. I like the way you broke that down and the trauma that we just don't get over the trauma of our oppressed people. And I like the analogy with the rape. And especially when we're talking about the Confess Project, because I don't think we talk about men's health enough. So thank you for the critical view. And and I'm just, I'm excited to understand that we have improved, but we're not there yet. I really love the way you put that, Dr. Jones. I totally, totally agree. I was thinking, you know, myself over here, it's really hard to kind of extend mental health services to minority populations. But then we have these sub cohorts within populations like men, like you mentioned that, you know, for whatever reason, and we could probably talk about that for an entire episode, but maybe in some ways resistance to either talking about mental health issues or maybe seeking mental health care. And I I love that you brought up the um, example of, you know, training barbers to really make that a safe space where people can, you know, come together. They spend a lot of time there and maybe um, kind of bounce ideas off of one another, or at least just kind of, um, you know, connect with others of maybe similar mind. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit more because I think sometimes we really look at this situation as something that might be hard to tackle, but there can be these more simplistic answers like let's get right in the community with people that are already there, familiar faces. So, you know, when it comes to minority men specifically, do we have, um, you know, other targeted opportunities where we can reduce stigma amongst them, um, you know, kind of to improve mental health care and wellness? Or can you speak a little bit more about some of those targeted populations? Sure. I think um, in the African-American community, sororities and fraternities go beyond college. So we have what's called the divine nine. But within that group, I think there are about, what, four or five fraternities. And many of them now are getting involved in the mental health space where they are providing education to their fraternity members, that they are active in the community, participating in NAMI walks, for instance, all around the country. So they are doing their part, as are the sororities. And so one of the things that we are always challenged with that I point out to people, whenever we're doing these um, health fairs, I always take note of whether there is a mental health table or not. And most times there isn't. And we need to work with our local community mental health providers to ensure that they have a table where they are talking about things like depression or depression screening and providing information about schizophrenia or anger and all of those things. So we have that. Another area where we are starting to see more activity is in churches, but we have to make sure churches understand the message that they have to do more than tell people to pray away, to pray away whatever distress they're in. That we remind people that the brain, the head is connected to the body and that the brain can get sick just like the heart gets sick, the kidney gets sick, et cetera that some of the behaviors that you're seeing, that the person can't just will them away, they can't just pray them away, but that they need medical help. So those are some avenues that we are continuing to open up um, to get the word out in minority communities and especially amongst men. I like it. Dr. Jones, I really like it, especially when we're talking about those fraternities and even the churches and and the barbershops. I I appreciate those those opportunities and something that we all can think about on, especially 
functioning off of purpose and really assimilating ourselves within the culture rather than just, oh, like you said, oh, I work with a, a marginalized individual or a minority. So thank you for that. And you have given us so many, so many places that NAMI is stepping up to the plate to really improve mental health of our minority populations. They, are, they have taken on that challenges. So what about other places? If, if our listeners would like to learn more about minority mental health and wellness, where would you point them to? Okay, so we have Mental Health America. As I mentioned, the Confess Project, their website is theconfessproject.com. And of course, PsychU, which is hosting this podcast today. They have a tremendous amount of information on PsychU website. I'm always sending more and more people there whenever they bring up, you know, mental health questions. I say go to PsychU. And on PsychU, you actually have diversity, equity, and inclusion information there. Uh, you have a 2022 Mental Health America BIPOC Mental Health Toolkit on that website. There's a call to action on the Psyche website where you're discussing the need for stigma awareness and healthcare professional education. Um, there's uh, information about suicide and Black Americans where you're offering statistics and other information. And that's so key because culturally African-Americans or Black Americans, they, they said, oh, we don't commit suicide. That, that's other people. And we're starting to see increased rates of suicide in our population. And we need to make people aware of that. And then you also are doing um, other spotlights and one most recently with Dr. Napoleon P. Higgins Jr., who is just awesome. So and there are so many topics on PsychU. And again, I just want to encourage your audience um, to go to the website and look at some of the materials, as well as NAMI.org and then NAMIFlorida.org for our state organization. Oh, that is so lovely. Dr. Jones, thank you for pointing out those PsyQ resources. You have really spilled the tea on this hot day for us. And we are so thrilled to share in the awareness and the improvement of minority mental health. On behalf of Otska and the PsyQ community, thank you for your service and your commitment to mental health. Thank you so much for having me today. And now I'm going to go have me a tall glass of iced tea. <laughs> oh, you better turn up. I love it. Thank you. All righty. Bye-bye. Have a good day. All right, so there you have it. You've heard it for yourself right here on PsychU Community Podcast. But the beauty is, is that you don't have to stop here. So definitely head over and check out the show notes for the links to find more resources about today's discussion on psychu.org. And as always, if you've enjoyed this episode and you'd like to hear more hot topics right here on the PsychU Community Podcast, please rate and review us and then subscribe so you can always get the new episode right when it drops. And for the social media lovers out there, check out our other social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. So until next time, thank you for listening, everyone, and we hope you have a great day.